Hello and welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast where we reflect and dissect the movies of the past 10 years. I'm your host, Jack Draper, and with me is my co-host, Clay Williams. Do you think any studio head, like, took a second, met with some people, and was like, how about Adam Sandler for Sherlock? Do we have something there? It was originally going to be a slash appear in Cohen, famously. Oh, really? Um, But Sandler would be fascinating. But realistically, yeah. It was- I, well, I feel like around this time, it was not related to it, but around this time, um, the uh, Sandler and Farrell were supposed to do a movie together. I think they were supposed to do a movie called Free Mississippi that was about like touch football on Thanksgiving Day, something like that. And <laughs> it, was, it wasn't exactly, but it was like around when this movie was coming together. And that was like one oh, of the no. things that Farrell was considering. And I was like really, I was really psyched for that. And Have they so ever done a movie together? That, that didn't happen. No, they've never done a movie together. No. They, for some reason, they have completely like they're very close to the same age, which he doesn't. Well, it's weird because Sandler was on SNL when he was very young, and uh, I mean, he was in his early 20s, and Farrell came to it a little later. And Farrell was like in the next cast, they only, yeah, missed each other by a season, but Farrell is only a he's like about the same age as Sandler, maybe even a little older, I think. I don't know. Um, so it, it's weird that, but you don't think of them as being the same age, right? Like Farrell has so much more no. of a dad vibe. Uh, Sandler yeah, does true. dad stuff now, that's but true. like, but it's, and they, they don't really are track simil- the same age, but they're like the same generation. Yeah, they're both similar in having that uh, child locked in a man's body vibe. <laughs> and also they don't come from a yeah, traditional yeah. stand-up comedy background, uh, sort of lending their hand to improvisation. Right. And they they focus more on bouncing off of people rather than like a one-man show like a Steve Martin or Eddie Murphy. Like they always need an ensemble, right? So I guess considering they haven't worked together, they are similar. Yeah. Especially in their career. Yeah. Trajectories. Yeah. Yeah. They both have Razzie winners. That's for sure. Yes. We have covered both yeah. Sandler and yeah. now Farrell mm-hmm. this I'm ex- decade. I'm expecting as in-depth uh, Farrell career talk. <laughs> Your, ex- well, your expectations might Sam. vary. <laughs> um, but yeah, Holmes. So this is Holmes and Watson, our uh, penultimate Razzie winner episode. One more to cats. <laughs> We're so that's, close. Yeah, that's the that's the gold at the end of the rainbow. <laughs> We're so close to cats. It's just I Tom Hooper's like you know default frowny face. <laughs> but yeah, um, what I'm curious. Wait, wait, wait. What, have we introduced the guest? Yeah, oh, yeah. I uh, I was getting there, of course. Uh, we have Jesse Hassinger with us. How are you? Hi. Thanks yeah. for having me, guys. Yeah, of course, dude. Um, I'm so something we're curious with every guest is your first exposure to film, and if you remember, like an event or a particular movie that kind of unlocked this like fascination we all have at a certain age. Yeah, um, it's funny. My first memory of going to the movies is it's a little watery, but I would say it's probably the Muppets Take Manhattan, which I saw when I was a, I was probably not even four in 1984 when it came out. I was I would have been almost four probably. I forget. I think it came out in the summer. And I think I actually saw that movie twice, as a, even as a small child, because I was super into the Muppets, and 
I feel like for a long time, that's what like movies were for me, were like a delivery system for like Muppets and like cartoons, which were like the two things I was, I was super obsessed with as a kid. But I really do remember like, I don't remember the actual, much about the actual experience of watching that movie, but I do remember being like super upset that it was done, that it was over. Because I was like, <laughs> wanted to watch more Muppets. Um, and, but, I, <laughs> but, but probably actually the thing that really made me obsessed with movies was like a few years later than that, I saw Frame Roger Rabbit when I was seven, almost eight in, in 88 when it came out. And that sort of blew my mind because I was really into, like I said, I was really into cartoons and stuff like that. And even by age, almost eight, I was like kind of obsessively, you know, cataloging, you know, like, oh, this is a Chuck Jones one with Bugs Bunny, or this is, you know, you know, obviously mm-hmm. Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny or different companies and all that. Mm-hmm. And so Roger Rabbit, which where they have like Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and Donald Duck and all these Betty Boop or whoever else in this one movie, which I knew was like a weird thing, even as a child. Uh, and then had these like new characters in it too. Um, I just was really fascinated by that. And I didn't even really see the, like the technological angle of it because I didn't really notice how much more mm. detailed and, and realistic it, it was in terms of combining live action and animation. But the illusion worked on me so well that I wasn't really thinking about that stuff and was just like fascinated by this whole, you know, like, oh, there's a movie now with like Mickey Mouse and Bugs. I mean, which it sounds now I like with everything being very like quote unquote IP driven, it's very, it feels very lame actually to think about like oh it's the cool crossover <laughs> like that's mm-hmm. one of all things to get you into movies but that as, was the as, Avengers as a kid that War back in the really day. that was like a it was for me it was the Avengers seeing movie with Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny was the Avengers for me when I was a kid um and I think from there I think it was also probably the first like PG movie I saw in movie theater um so I think from there it was like I, I, I kind of branched out more and beyond just like cartoons and puppets and got really into like, it was kind of a good gateway for me for like live action, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then got really, and from there we got really, really, got really into it. I was thinking just because of, I was counting it up the other day because of the, um, because of the pandemic, I saw mm-hmm. 40 movies in the movie theater last year in 2020, the just concluded year. Um, and that's the lowest uh, number for me since 1994 when I saw 37 movies. Um, oh, and I was like, oh man, that's that's a big <laughs> that's a big drop off. I'm hoping <laughs> 2021 will will at least be able to surpass the 40 mark. But who knows? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hopes are hopes are high. I hope so. But yeah. <laughs> um, what was your first exposure before Holmes and Watson? I'm curious with any. Sherlock Holmes related IP like are you a fan are you just like passive oh, good. Like... yeah <laughs> sure trying to think that's a good question because you know it's one of those things where you're aware of like your whole life yeah. and yeah. I don't know when I would have actually seen a Sherlock Holmes story like probably like if they spoofed it on DuckTales or something when I was a kid that would have been <laughs> like the main way for me to see it because I I haven't seen the Basil Rathbone movies. Oh, you know what? The first, no, it's clearly this. It's the it's the Great Mouse Detective, which is a, mm-hmm. a mouse-based riff on, uh, you guys are young, mm-hmm. so I don't know if you guys, you would know. No, I know that movie. I know that movie. The Disney re-releases. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on Disney Plus. Yeah. <laughs> um, it came out in 86. I definitely saw that in the movie theater. And that, I probably didn't know what Sherlock Holmes really was at that point. So that was probably my first, like, I probably, the, when I saw real Sherlock Holmes, I was probably in my mind, I was probably like, oh, like, like, yeah, like, Ray Mouse Detective. Yeah. <laughs> so that was definitely the first. But yeah, you know, I haven't seen that many of the, the straight adaptations. Like, I haven't seen Basil Rathbone's movies. 
Uh, I haven't even seen like young Sherlock Holmes, which is like something from my youth that I just missed. Um, you know, I've seen the Guy Ritchie ones and like, I've, I feel like I've seen as much like, kind of parody and real, you know, I watched, um, I watched the, uh, what's it called? The show, Sherlock on the BBC show. That, that was good stuff. Mm-hmm. And my wife watches Elementary or did watch Elementary for a lot of years, which I saw so I've passively experienced that show on and off. So yeah, I feel like I've never like, you know, as much as like this movie, the Feral movie parodies Holmes and Watson, I've never like, it's, it's really weird how little I've seen of like, just straight, I've read a few of the stories as a teenager, but like for as far as films, I haven't really seen the like, here's your straight ahead. This is just Sherlock Holmes and John Watson in their regular period, not bare knuckle boxing and mm-hmm. not a mouse or like anything or not comedians or anything like that. Just haven't really actually experienced a lot of that. So in a lot of ways, it's a weird, it's weird that I've seen this semi-obscure Will Ferrell flop and not like just a regular Sherlock Holmes movie. <laughs> right. right. Cause I guess they're a little bit like um, King, o- King Arthur or uh, Robin Hood like er- yeah, you're yeah right everyone knows them and right, right. Um, they're cultural touchstones and di- in in fact Disney's had in, had a hand in that too but they just they don't uh. have the crossover into prestige or at least have failed to <laughs> and um uh-huh. I guess Sherlock is a little different because BBC uh correctly revitalized it with Cumberbatch and Freeman and I guess that was taken a little bit more seriously. Like there was grit oh. to it. And uh, it was just something that was very specifically made for adults and not like, pan. it wasn't, it treated its audience like you were in on the mystery and not above the mystery. Uh, and I, for myself, I saw right. that first season of Sherlock and that's pretty much where my exposure ends. Like I, th- I was never a Doctor Who, Doctor Who person, but from mm. what I understand, gang, gang, Doctor Who and Sherlock are sort of in the similar vein. And I went the route of Sherlock and then exited. <laughs> so I and I never, I never went Doctor Who. Like I, I couldn't uh-huh. tell you what it's about. And so yeah, that was sort of my BBC, like, you know, fandom thing that I, I was I had exposure to. What and about the Richie films? Never saw the Richie films. Yeah, I, I haven't seen a Richie. I, I, uh, I, I don't. I, yeah, I don't. I haven't seen many Richie films actually. But yeah, and so, but obviously, I know Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law have played uh, Holmes and Watson, and um, I, I think I, I saw um, the Buster Keaton Sherlock in a film history class. Sherlock Jr. Sherlock Jr. Oh right, right but he's right, not right. even Sherlock in oh, that. It's just Sherlock. it's like a daydream yes, and. It's it, yeah, it's odd, yeah. but yeah, I mean, like it's kind of like you don't go to a specific Sherlock Holmes quite like you do other famous iconography characters. But maybe- he's been revamped so much that you were talking. I guess you were talking about how you've never seen like the more straightforward adaptations, and I don't think many people have. That's the funny thing. The prop, like he's just been there's been so many adaptations of him for so long that it's just all has become. And it's one of those things. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was, I was just gonna say that this is one of those things where, yeah, I think what you're getting at is that there's been so many that it's sort of, it's sort of obscured what even a, like a regular adaptation of it is. Yeah. Because I think even the Basil Rathbone ones, which are sort of recognized, 
as like the kind of standard normal ones, so mm-hmm. to speak, are really just adapting like a certain certain aspects of like you know those Guy Ritchie movies as much as they're sort of described as being more sensation driven than like Guy Ritchie. Mm-hmm. Some of the stuff that they adapt are is stuff from the books that he's not just not really familiar from the older movies. So it's this weird thing where it's hard to even say, oh, what's the most kind of you know faithful adaptation because the even even the Basil Rathbone ones have are, are a certain kind of you know kind of skew on the character that probably doesn't include some crucial aspects from the original yeah. book. Yeah, and books. it's not like you um, have so it's like, like so if there's like such a kaleidoscope of versions of it. Hmm. Yeah, and it's not like you have these you know. Anytime you're doing adaptations of pre-existing IP, when a movie or a TV show comes out, you'll have people coming out of the woodworks on Twitter and be like, no, this adaptation was incorrect. Oh, no, the source material was so much better. Oh, they actually got this wrong. They changed this aspect. But when like a fucking Sherlock Holmes, a Sherlock movie comes out, you no one comes out on Twitter and be like, you know, it wasn't true to Arthur, you know, Arthur Clark Doyle's true, uh, true intentions. This is a complete disastrous adaptation. There is not these stands of the original Sherlock books. Maybe yeah, there are and I'm lyrics. missing them, but <laughs> it's not like everyone knows the exact pre-existing Sherlock IP. Sherlock Army is going to come for us now. Just uh, apparently. Yeah. Just like they did Dylan O'Brien. For you. Yeah, for sure there are people who are really hardcore about the books. Um, but even I think, even from what I understand, even those people sort of differ about like what the good adaptations are which is probably a good thing i think you know like like i think you're right there's not like the one that everyone says oh this is the one you know that's that's correct Uh, and people don't probably uh, don't nitpick it as much because people have all these different points of view on it yeah and it's just there's just been so it's just been a glut of sherlock stuff um and like you and like i feel like every almost every like cartoon has their Sherlock episode or, you know, it, it's just become such a, it's like kind of like a Christmas Carol, I would say in some yeah, aspects, yeah, there's yeah. just these adaptation after adaptation, after adaptation. And some of them just say it's very similar to the, you know, to the actual source material, Next. but it's just all of these, what can we do with this? What can we do with this uh, format? Uh, we can make, you know, we can make mm. um, a bare, bare, uh, bare knuckle boxer, who is kind of has the charm of a movie star? Have you or seen we the can make ones? Him... Say it again. Have you seen the Guy Ritchie adaptations? I have. Yeah. Um, I have, and I've also right. seen the Sherlock uh, BBC show, which I dig. I haven't. I don't think I ever finished the last season, but I really liked that show yeah. when I was mm-hmm. getting into it. Um, but like, yeah, and like that show, Sherlock's more of like a sociopathic, just like not monster, but he has like no emotions or no like he's just completely. Um, He's very much has that uh, unknowable uh, emotionalist genius vibe. And then in like the Sherlock and the Guy Ritchie movies, he's like this charismatic movie star. And so it's just like, it's all these takes yeah. on Sherlock and what, and you know, sometimes they'll include the drug addiction. Sometimes they won't. It just becomes this kind of just uh, glut and re reshaping of what Sherlock is. But I don't think, anyone really i mean if we look at just culture in general if you look at like the mod like the regular movie going audience i don't think they could really tell you like i I don't think they'll tell you that their first experience to sherlock wasn't one of these adaptations wasn't one of these like you know like you said jesse yours was the great mouse detective i think that's a similar story for almost everyone that they have 
that their first experience with Sherlock was not the original Sherlock. Mm-hmm. It's not the pre, you know, it's not the, it's not the true right. vision of Arthur. Yeah, it's it's like Sherlock adjacent. It's like the Disney Robin Hood. Like they're all animal, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. That's packs. a perfect example. Right. Hot Fox. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. In, in just like inherently, um, Sherlock Holmes is a drug addict mm-hmm. and a genius, and he mm-hmm. has social anxiety, and that's it. <laughs> really, everyone just branches out from there, and uh, from where the branches lead us, it got us to Will Ferrell playing Sherlock Holmes in a 2018 movie that um, did not do well. And all counts. Um, one of the few big studio comedies to get a D plus on cinema score. I looked that up last night. I was watching him like, sure. so this is bad, obviously. <laughs> what do audiences think? Do they like this? I look it up. So I look up instead of cinema score and it got a D plus. And if we've talked about cinema score a few times um, on this podcast, but talked about it, right? Yeah, exactly. We, you have to have a real shitty movie or an alienating movie to get that low of a um low of a cinema score because usually audiences, audiences aren't yeah. intelligent but they're not like but they wanted they want to be right. pleased yeah, yeah yeah they want to they're going into this movie like i want to be entertained and a lot of times they are yeah exactly essentially yeah. like yeah, they're yeah, going into yeah, mcdonald's you're exactly right it's it has to be something alienating yeah, it's so it's it has to be kind of actively alienating. So I was kind of surprised actually that this movie did as poorly as it did. I mean, Cinema Score is this weird, unknowable thing because the analysis of it also is always like if you read like weirdo box office people, they're always like, oh, the movie got a troubling B Cinema Score. <laughs> I'm always like, dudes, if I give something a B, that's like I like this movie, you know, mm-hmm. like it's, oh, they're always no. so hungry for things to there get like at least an A minus. They'll be like, oh, I got an uncertain B plus. <laughs> um, yeah. Nora so Efron, like getting a D plus. The Nora Efron seems movie. like it has to be. Yeah. More yeah. like um, lucky numbers. That got a cinema score. The Nora Efron movie. With John. Oh, Travolta, yeah. yeah, yeah. Travolta and Laura, Lucy yeah. Famous. And it's like, it's just like a poorly executed, uh, dark comedy like that's it's it's not doing anything incorrect it was just misguided you know <laughs> and so. it got an f right yeah got an f yeah which is yeah these just weird just i well, don't know yeah, cinema the, score that's, is odd. that's the kind of comedy that gets that gets a really low cinema score yeah like it has to be usually has to be something that where people are uncomfortable with it and Holmes and mm-hmm. Watson for all the things that does not very well it's not like a discomforting movie you know it's not like a an, an, an audience alienating like too weird or too dark or too off-putting like I mean it's pretty straight down the middle it's not very good but it's not I, I was surprised I that I'm bringing up this movie that twice in a row with two episodes but Mother famously is another uh yeah it has to either be challenge- challenging challenging Right, and that movie is challenging is, or alienating for it to get a low score. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm surprised why I'm. I would. I would love to have done the follow-up interviews on the Cinema Score audience for Holmes and Watson and be like, what was it that really put you? Off? I mean, I guess it just could, it must have been that they were just did not find it funny. So that's that. There it is. But it usually, I've seen so many movies that I thought were painfully unfunny, and that you see the cinema score or even the box office in general is like perfectly, you know, it's perfectly acceptable. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, there's a lot of times like you have like miss mismarketed horror movies like it comes at night not wait is it yeah no it's it comes at night where people are like oh it's this thriller yeah yeah, yeah. it's this like zombie movie that is going to be like a great horror film and then they see it and they're like no thank you that was not um when i was sold yeah 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 exactly it's that idea of i was sold something else that's a lot what you know simmons score is is just basically an audience and they interview like the demographics the movie is going for so basically i remember john wick was the opposite case in how it had a really bad trailer. And then obviously like, like it was classic word of mouth that mm-hmm. it was then like, this is much better than what we were told um, because it's, you know, it's not the freshest of premises, but then like it's, it's led down this whole thing. And like, it's, it's a, it's a very pleasant surprise in the fall of 2014. Interesting, because John Wick got a B. The first one got a B cinema score, then the sequels both get A minuses. Mm. Oh yeah, okay. It's all this weird marketing jumbo that doesn't. There's not a you know. There's of course it's not a science. There's not a science to it. But I looked up just to be like, okay, how do audiences feel about modern Will Ferrell? Is this the common like, no, thank you, this sucks, yeah. or is this You're this the, the outlier? Like you, like you've done the Anchorman thing, you've exactly we, we've seen you with riley like you you're out of tricks <laughs> what does what does joe schmo think of will ferrell and so i looked up daddy's so like i we did daddy's home daddy's home one and two so daddy's home one got a b plus and daddy's home two got an a minus oh wow i'm like okay all right well what about the what like the big miss of the of, like the the two real bad Will Ferrell movies that I feel like are noticeable in the sense of his mod big, you know, um, medium budget comedies, studio comedies is get hard in this directed by the same person, Ethan Cohen. Mm. Um, and I'm like, okay, what do people think about get hard? Do they hate, do they hate that too? That got a B, which is low for a studio comedy, but like, so it, it, for this, this one is just truly the outlier of, everyone did dislike this movie right yeah there was no one person that or one demographic like not critics or audiences really but i'm trying to figure out what were they expecting yeah like isn't this the movie that you were sold you walked into the theater after seeing those trailers I don't know. I mean, I think it is and it isn't because as someone I, I, I was like, you know, I certainly was wary of this movie because I knew it hadn't screened and I knew they had been pushed back a lot. And it seemed like the studio was trying like to get that. rid of it. Famously but like just based on the tra- and the trailers, even have that. Was it famously poor test screenings? I remember that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I saw the trailers and they were, you know, the trailers felt kind of truncated. There were those trailers, the kind of trailers where they don't really say that much about like what the movie is besides that it's Farrell and Riley doing this stuff. Um, but, you know, I was like, okay, that was kind of, that looks kind of funny. And, and I like Farrell and Riley and they don't always cut the best trailers for their movies. Like they, some of the best jokes for their movies aren't always blown in the trailers. Um, so I went into it being like, hoping it would be funny. And it's just, I, I think some of it in terms of if you're talking about disconnect, it's probably just that kind of ineffable thing of trusting that, all right, well, the jokes in the trailer may vary, but usually with Farrell and Riley, it, it shakes out to a pretty funny mm. movie mm-hmm. and not, you know, saying, oh, well, it's kind of hit and miss, but I laughed enough times. And, you know, when I, to be honest, when I saw this movie, I like, it's, you know, I, I wouldn't 
gives it a give it a thumbs up exactly certainly but i call, i would i like this one more than daddy's home or daddy's home 2 or mm. some of the other some of his other kind of weaker one like there i think i probably i might like it more than get hard i don't know it's it's like there are gags in it that i thought that i think are funny um it just has a really pervasive lack of like you know, I hate to say reason for being because I like no movie really has any reason for being. <laughs> like, there's no reason for any of this. But what, what is what life is meaningless, right? But like, uh, <laughs> the but like, I, it was very unclear to me watching this movie, even when I was laughing. And there are some gags in it that made me laugh. There's like a couple that actually like made me laugh really hard. Um, but there's a kind of pervasive feeling of like, why did they want to do this? It kind of felt like nobody, it just felt like, especially having known that it was kind of a long development history, as you alluded, um, Sasha Baron Cohen was going to do it at one point, and it sort of landed on Will Ferrell and Riley are, you know, comic partners, so let's try it with them. But it's not with Adam McKay, who did their other movies together, and it wasn't, I don't think, written by Ferrell, the way some of his other movies, the no, most successful movies, written. he usually has a hand in the screenplay. So it does kind of feel like nobody was willing to say, you know what, no, this isn't working, let's not do it. Like it kind of like watching the movie, it has that weird, uneasy feeling of like, well, Farrell said he'd do it, and Riley said he'd do it, and they got a guy to direct it, so I guess we're just gonna do it. And this like this kind of weird feeling of someone was expecting this movie to get canned, and it never did, so they just had to do it. <laughs> they kind of <laughs> called their bluff, making it because it doesn't really feel like, oh, this was the reason that you know, Farrell has such a distinct comic personality. Mm -hmm. uh, I usually can tell, I think, watching his movies. I mean, obviously, there's some amount of projection that goes into the I can Even when they're not good, I can say, okay, yeah, I get why he wanted to do this or why he's yeah. willing to do this. Mm -hmm. I, I get the attraction to this material or what, you know, what he thought it would be like, even if it's not turning out great. And this, I was like, yeah, I don't know what. I'm certainly there are some funny gags that kind of mismatch, you know, modern sensibility with the, you know, period sensibility of the movie. But there's not that override, overriding, like, oh, this is why Farrell thinks this is... Even something like Get Hard, which I think is probably less funny than this movie. The social satire aspect of it, where Farrell is playing this guy who's this pampered moron uh, who's going to go to jail and it hires a Black guy to, like, teach him how to be, you know, tough in jail, even though this this Black guy played by Kevin Hart is not actually a criminal. Uh, I can see how that Farrell likes, you know, Farrell and McKay share that, like, like interest in kind of social satire and, clue, and making fun of clueless white dudes and that kind of milieu is like very feral. It doesn't really come off and get hard that well, but I get I get why he thought, okay, this is a funny idea. Mm -hmm. uh, and Holmes and Watson, certainly the idea is funny. Like Farrell and Riley being Holmes and Watson, it's like a funny idea, but it doesn't really have the animating like, oh, but why specifically did Farrell want to do this for longer than five minutes? I can see why yeah. this would be like, yes. a, why he would want to do this on Funny or Die. But why would he want to do it as a movie? And I, I that's like the, and I don't think, I don't know if that audiences were sensing that when they give it a D plus or whatever. Um, but that's as, as someone who did go into it thinking, no, oh, this will probably be funny at least, even if it's not great. Like I'll probably laugh, you know, I'm, I'm like not that hard of a laugh. I like Land the Lost a lot actually. Like, so I'm not like a, the hardest, <laughs> the toughest customer yeah. for, for, for Will Ferrell. Um, I could like, that was the weird feeling I came out with was like, wow, I just don't understand why this happened. It doesn't <laughs> feel like a real movie. It, yeah, it, it, truly. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't really feel like a real movie. That's a great observation that, um, it's a funnier die sketch stretched out to, you know, 90 some 90 something minutes. 
because um, I, I think Will Ferrell does truly transcend generations and folks just like like, like he can sell people um, because Step Brothers yeah. and Anchorman play on TBS religiously um, and it's just ingrained into cable routine at this point and you know yeah Riley and Farrell together really did sell people rather than the concept I forget who said I think it must have been on a letterbox review but I kind of wish that they weren't British (laughs) like this just wasn't in London (laughs) yeah like I just I kind of wanted to be like you know Chicago (laughs) but but like still cute like I think that would be funny right like like just like you know the whole gown the, the hat the the pipe but it's just like midwest accents <laughs> like they have deep, deep dish pizza. well it's a certain like it does it <laughs> yeah well it would certainly give like it would certainly free them with the burden of sort of the whole production of the thing where yeah. they really do have to like kind of pretend this is is you know early 20th century london and Farrell and Riley both have to do accents, and like I know I'm not a big accent. I'm not big on the accent police. Uh, yeah, I just exactly. wrote a thing about how oh. how little I care about the accents in a movie. I just like I cannot pretend that I know. I feel like a lot of people. It's like a pet peeve of mine. People always look around like, oh, well, that Irish accent is way. I'm like, right, you guys like, are all fucking experts. That like, said, <laughs> I will continue. I will binge the uh, accent critiques on YouTube just to see what folks didn't didn't get right. But yeah, it, to me, I'm not like, well, Tom Hanks and Catch Me If You Can, that New England accent wasn't good, you know? Uh, and, yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah. you know, it's just, it doesn't affect the performance that much. But at the same time, yeah, I do, like, it does feel like a distraction. Like, it's not a really funny accent that they're doing. I mean, they both have to do it. And it's just like this one additional level of weird artifice that you have to pump into this to kind of keep this conceit going. And it is kind of exhausting, like right. It's kind of like exhausting to watch them having to keep it up. <laughs> it's, it's like, like yeah, it feels they like have to sign up for it at some point. Yeah. I tried my it's just, best to. It's just watch hats on hats. Oh, yeah, it's just hats on hats on hats. Like it's just too many fucking hats. Like you gotta yeah. drop at least two of them because I tried it's my best to watch interviews with uh, Riley and Farrell. And at one point, John C. Riley, who's I love, I, I love more than Farrell. Um, you know, I I. I I think he's a great actor, you know. Well, you're a PTA guy, so that makes <laughs> sense. All right. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, he's like, you know, I thought we were making a Mel Brooks movie. It's one of those flavors. And I bet that is sort of the idea they had going in. Like, it's a spoof of a well-known concept a la, like, uh, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. It's Young Frankenstein, Spaceballs. Um. And yeah, yeah. From the interview and the um, sort of the the way they would speak about the movie, they kind of realized they didn't have a hit on their hands, and it's it's unfortunate because, like, what? Of course, like press junkets, like you always have the default markers to hit, and like one of the questions they were asked were, um, like, how did how did the conceit of the idea come about? And they seemed really enthusiastic to bring up like what where the inspiration came from and getting the chance to work together again. But then it's like, yeah, the rest was just. Like, then they realized, do so they have the director's chair? And they're like, oh, 
Ethan but Cohen. I, and speaking of Ethan Cohen, I was when I first like checked out the movie. Of course, like anyone, I read it as one half of the Cohen brothers, and I was remembering the story of when oh, Bill Murray yeah. mm-hmm. was going to do Garfield, and he was promised Joel Cohen, but he was duped into thinking, "No, wait, it's a different <laughs> Joel Cohen." <laughs> It's not the, you know, floppy-haired Cohen brothers, so it's like... Yeah. yeah. Well, Ethan Cohen, as much as he is, you know, now having the two movies he's directed are Get Hard and Holmes and Watson, which obviously is a pretty crummy record, he doesn't have a, like, I, he doesn't have a terrible track record as, you know, he's a, he was a writer who, on Beavis and Butthead, uh, Big, a big fan of Beavis and Butthead. Love Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, he's a big collaborator with Mike. Then Jeff. worked on King of the Hill a bit. Pretty funny show. Yeah, yeah. He worked. At, he worked on *Idiocracy*, which I actually don't think is that good, but you know, it's like points for trying. Uh, <laughs> and he worked on *Tropic Thunder*, which is I think is very funny. Think- and so, like, you know, he has got some comedy bone. He's he's written some things that are funny. So I, I'm sure he can have a good. You know, I'm sure he had a good vibe with Farrell, especially having them to doing two movies together. They must have really like felt like they had a thing going. Um, but he's just not is maybe not that great of a comedy director, which is a kind of different skill, I think. And it's something that McKay, Adam McKay, who works with Farrell and Riley on their other movies, I think is almost underrated, especially now that he's done these like serious movies like people like to make fun of. Um, but his as a comedy director, McKay is really good, I think. Mm-hmm. And in, in a kind of deceptive way that you wouldn't necessarily watching those movies think oh this is so well directed but it really is for the kind of movies that he's making and the difference is i mean you could see why became wouldn't want to do this as much as i would be puzzling over why Farrell would want to do it it's it's equally puzzle it's not at all puzzling it's equally not puzzling to, to picture mckay being like yeah no thank you sure. um mm-hmm. even if he wasn't sort of busy with his doing more his, his more political stuff it's just like mckay you can usually find a very clear like satirical idea and as much as he is, does really funny movies with a lot of jokes, he doesn't really do those Mel Brooks type it's, of spoofs yeah, where like the main the, uh, idea is just a spoof you and I, 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 Yeah, it's like it has none of this in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I, I like Mel Brooks too. It's not like, I, I don't mean to denigrate that kind of thing. I think that's actually a fun idea is to do a Mel Brooks style real spoof. But like people don't seem to really know what to do with like just straight spoofy stuff now. I think because like so many, and I wrote about this, bit when the movie came out so many action movies and kids movies now like fold in comedy stuff like Deadpool or whatever is like you know has the kind of joke density of a comedy even even Mm -hmm. though it also has action scenes and and emotional stuff or whatever um that the kind of idea of just like a pure joke machine movie I think there's just like less of a call for it you know occasionally when there is a really good spoof movie like Walk Hard like nobody goes to see it i mean this is now gotcha, that was like 13 years ago now jesus um but you know the, like there were those the, the the kind of subgenre of spoof movies sort of dead ended in like d- disaster movie epic movie i don't know if you guys ever seen those the date movie or whatever yeah yeah, yeah, yeah seltzer things and those did even did pretty well for a while but from a certain sort of like you know getting the high schoolers on friday night to go see a dumb movie that like yells out a bunch of references they understand but then you know eventually people kind of got sick of that understandably because they're horrible and that's never really been picked back up again in terms of like like oh the, the point of this movie is just to spoof something that just like isn't really that much of a you know action movies spoof themselves now you don't like need 
genre spoofs necessarily. And I feel like that's part of this movie sort of gets lost in the like, you know, 30 years ago, it would would be, yeah, of course, it's like Robin Hood Men Tights. It's like a spoof of Sherlock Holmes. But like now it's sort of like a spoof of who, for what now? Like, (laughs) like the Downey movies probably have as many jokes as these, as this does. Like, and there people like them more because they can feel a little more invested in it. Yeah, it's um, a little bit of the wrong lessons that we took from Scream and Scary Movie. Like how how do yeah, because they were spoofing something very specific that was grown tired very fast of slashers in the eighties. But like, how how do you spoof Sherlock Holmes? Yeah, make it like decently funny because this movie also wants to do Sherlock Holmes it feels like because yeah there was work clearly put into the costume design (laughs) and like they got like you know a a mansion and like they they're Steve Coogan they they have the boys from the trip there was some yeah like I love the trip movies you know and I (laughs) I was getting I mean I waiting for a segue to get into this but Brian and Coogan are here I I, I can't believe they do not share a scene together I was like oh well they, they had to like you know at some <laughs> point you're both of them at your arsenal and it is baffling that you know it just made me want to go take a trip to Spain again you know so, uh. it, I feel like yeah. well the, the modern... cast of this thing is incredible like, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I, 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 Rebecca Hall and uh, Lauren Lapkus too. Like, I can't, I can't believe it. It's, Ray Fines, Kelly McDonald. Yeah, Kelly McDonald. Yeah, McDonald, Hugh Laurie. Like this, this is like the like this is cast as if it's a McKay movie in terms yeah, of like people wanting true. to be in it. Because <laughs> McKay loves an ensemble too. Um, I, I've something that I, I. I I learned about Ray Fiennes playing Moriarty. He declined to play Moriarty in the uh, Guy Ritchie movies. And then like oh, no. later, he accepts this. That's so funny. It's like, wow, that's the one you turned down. <laughs> Isn't that, that's crazy. Maybe he had a bigger, maybe he had a bigger check. I don't know. That's... Or I, maybe Harry Potter was happening, but yeah, it's still like, <sighs> That sounds okay. It's like wow, that's that's <laughs> right. I mean, with with the Guy Ritchie ones, you're you might be locked into a sequel, and that certainly wasn't going to be. A, yeah, uh, I guess. Yeah, a problem for this one. Guy Ritchie ones. Is it Toby Jared Jones, Harris, baby? I want to say. Oh no, no, oh, Toby no, Jones. No, Harris. no, it wasn't Toby Jones. It was wasn't it? Toby Jones. It was uh, it, it, uh, it was Chernobyl Chernobyl guy. Jared Harris. Yeah, Jared Harris. Yeah, Jared Harris. You know, I was told. I think Toby Jones. Because they're they're all English actors, yeah, it makes sense. He could he could play Moriarty. Any of these guys could play Moriarty in their sleep. You, Laurie, would have made a great Moriarty. I don't, I don't know what yeah. really the character calls for, but Hugh Laurie would have made a great Sherlock. He's a good actor. Like you, yeah. Yeah. he basic House was basically a Sherlock type. He's good. Everything I've seen him, yeah. But like House is basically a Sherlock type, a drug addict genius who's good at his job but is horrible. At oh, he's like a genius stuff. doctor. Is that the is that the take? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a yeah. He's like a drug addict too. It, it, it's so, this movie. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think? You think of Holmes Watson? <laughs> I 
I disliked this very much. Um, and I don't particularly know why it bugged me. So, like, I just think they're just, like, passable. It's just, it misses every mark. It's, it it just doesn't hit them. It's not even, like, it's, and it's boring. Sorry to cut you off. It's just, it's just stale and you can't like do anything to make it fresh again like it's not like you know oh there's a few that don't land but ultimately it has an earnest you know feel to it um because i can't read like what's a passable will ferrell comedy where it's like it's not good it's kind of neutral is there something that comes to mind for that I would say like the campaign. The campaign yeah. is a solid because like, there's one that comes to mind for me. Yeah, it's kind or of like semi pro. You know those. Uh, for me, it's kicking and screaming. Like kicking and screaming is a movie that oh you yeah 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 the Will Ferrell accessories very well, and ultimately it's about coming together as a team and you know supporting your kid's soccer team without getting too involved, right? Like that's. That's it. And it's just, and he's the one man showing that like, he's not playing off of anybody except for um, Bob Duvall, but still like, um, yeah. And, and that one's just passive. Like it's a C plus, but it's not this. Yeah. 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 Cause no, there, that this... is what's I, I've always been. I've always found it. Re- oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I've always found it. I, I've always found it. Like he has a, pretty decent track record compared to a lot of guys from who come up from SNL in terms of like hit rate, like Sandler's got some real awful ones as I, you guys were exploring with Jack and Jill and Jack and Jill's not even the worst of them. Um, and, you know, some of these guys never even got a chance to make good ones. Like Dana Carvey, besides Wayne's world, there's not really any good ones. Mike Myers, again, besides Wayne's world, not like yeah, Austin Powers is fine, but like Chris Rock, at least a, lot of really awful, a couple of really, really awful Mike Myers, like he's just like, Love Guru didn't work. Yeah. I'm out. I'm I'm done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a couple really, odd, but like Farrell, as much as he's had a couple more than a couple clunkers, the, yeah, his lower movies, lower tier movies like Kicking and Screaming or The Campaign or whatever, are at least usually do kind of hit their marks. They're not like hilarious, but you know they're like a, a fun 90 minutes and you kind of forget about them. And it hasn't been until really recent years where it kind of feels like oh he's like he's kind of striking out with something um so that was just it took a longer time i think for him to like make a real kind of like dead zone of comedy than a lot of the other guys that he is sort of similar to sandler like was making kind of middling ones pretty fast and making shitty ones like even you know not that long after that and it feels weird like you kind of you just i mean maybe i'm maybe again i might be just being really charitable to Farrell because i really like his work a lot and i've liked it liked him on snl and i like a lot of his movies but you do ex- go into one of his movies i find still kind of expecting like yeah even if it's not that good it's gonna be like it's gonna be funny-ish he has some big and, I, and actually i kind of i i like this movie i think more than you guys in the, that there are some funny parts of it for me i think it's you know there are mm-hmm. some funny bits they come up with but it is weird. It's a weird kind of feeling to watch a film movie and be like, oh, this is just like not working. This isn't just a little ramshackle. This is just like not working for him. Right. Right. He hasn't made a war crime. <laughs> like he hasn't made that one movie where you're like, get the fuck out of my yeah, office. He's not a, I never want to see you again. Yeah, it's not the gear. <laughs> yeah. Like 
and, and I don't know. Maybe I don't even know if Sandler has made a war crime either. But it's not like, but it's again, it's not like the Love Guru where that's that movie came out and Mike Myers was like, I apologize. I am sorry. I've done this to everyone. You retired from public life, essentially. Really, it just was so bad just that like he's like, yeah. I can't do anything about this. I'm out. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. You'll never see me again. Um, to bring, I mean, to bring up Sasha Baron Cohen again, like the dictator, kind of like. I feel like mm, it, that was like I remember that. Oh, I, I think the dictator's all right. It's <laughs> it's it slowed it has, him. It's got some funny bits. It's like it's like shockingly slapdash. <laughs> it slowed him down a little bit because he was picking up so much. Yeah, slowed him down. Yeah. But like Myers was just like, no, you can't do this again. We will not let you. Um, Because it was it was the one two punch of Love Guru and Cat in the Hat. Oh, that's right. Oh, Jesus Christ! Yeah. Oh, then it's like, dude, you are thin. It's just like, uh, yeah. So it's or or leave. Like so, like Farrell's never had something that just just tragic where he's just made this movie that everyone despises and wants. I mean, this is the closest thing to it. I have to say, like, even, even yeah. though, you know, maybe it's not the worst crime incident, like the worst comedic crime ever, but it is his closest to that mark. Yeah. Um, In terms of how people like it, like it, it's, it's, it, it, I don't know. I, the thing is, I think the reason why I just dislike this movie is because it just, uh, like, I, I think I said this earlier. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a real movie. It feels horribly random with just bits that they thought was like the selfie stick stuff. I just was, that's just when I was kind of like, all right, I, I, I can't, I'm so like this, this, the whole fucking selfie with repressed that I'm trying. To- yeah, I know. It's just, it's and that was in the trailer and I'm like, and I feel like that was the movie. They just were like, okay, let's see. We got Will Ferrell. <laughs> we need to make this fucking Sherlock movie. I don't, you know, it's been in development for too long. We got Will Ferrell. Let's, we can get John C. Riley. This script already kind of sucks. <laughs> what if we just got them in it and they can make it funny? Yeah. Because we they have can nothing. They bounce here. off each other without direction. Yeah, exactly. Like, we'll, look, they'll figure something out. They're comedic geniuses, stepbrothers, Talladega Nights. We got it. Yeah, we got and, it. Then they came onto set and they were like, I guess we'll just do what's written. Like, it doesn't seem like they're improving. It doesn't seem like spontaneous or anything. It just seems like here's this very thinly constructed sketch, like this uh, thinly constructed bit. All right. Yeah. What if, you know, what if they did selfies? Yeah. <laughs> and then I, they kill the queen. I don't know. Like, we'll figure that out. Yeah. Because they're playing Sherlock Holmes and John Watson. <laughs> like, they just don't have room to breathe or. Wait like have it doesn't look they're they're having fun no it looks like a gun's pointed at well them. yeah it doesn't it doesn't feel like there's is this a gunpoint movie feel like is this a movie like had like a gunpoint to make yeah <laughs> maybe yeah well it, it doesn't feel to me like Farrell and riley like have like a good bead on what they want that dynamic to be there's a little bit there's a runner about like they're gonna you know watson wanting to be co-detective and, and Holmes sort of brushing him off but there's not and the idea they're kind of both supposed to be dumb but like there's not in the world of the movie it's not you know the idea isn't really that sherlock holmes has been secretly dumb this whole time and actually yeah solving cases by accident or anything like that you know it's not like inspector clouseau where 
he sort of bumbles through but arrives at the right answer accidentally it's just sort of like well they're secretly pharaoh and riley characters from from stepbrothers or talladega and but they're everyone smart. sort of treats them like normal people but yeah it's 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 very muddled like what like even yeah when you when you can't even really tell if your comic heroes are supposed to be dumb or smart in the world of the movie that's what you can't really do a spoof because what are you spoofing like are you like I, I think there is an older movie i haven't seen that's about you know how watson is actually the genius of the of the relationship and holmes is actually sort of a dim bulb um you know that maybe I mean, there may even be a couple of different movies that do that or you know Watson, you could do Watson only thinking Holmes is a genius because he's even dumber. Or you can do, you know, like Holmes, the kind of a comic exaggeration of the normal Holmes thing, which they do in kind of contemporary versions, where he's a genius at solving mysteries, but an absolute, absolutely ill-equipped to deal with other people. And you, I think you could even do like a funny version of that with Farrell as someone who's good at solving mysteries and bad at everything else. But this movie doesn't really do any of those. It's it's just like a peculiar, you know, Sherlock no and take. Holmes. Sherlock Holmes and yeah, there's no take. It's just like it's just sort of like what if Sherlock Holmes, but with jokes. And it's even the, <laughs> and if the jokes are good, then fine. But the jokes are mostly, you know, nothing good. Again, I think there are some like good sketch scenes here. Like I think the scene where they go, they're like the bad part of town sequence where they're mm. going to get some information. There's like some I I you know I I confess when they when they say like this is a bad you know you can they'll you know they say something like they're they're not they don't take kindly the outsiders here and then like they pay it over to a guy saying like excuse me do you have the time and, then and gets stabbed. the guy's like not for you outsider and stabs him yeah, so I I laugh very 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 hard when I saw that movie theater like it's a good probably, bit I think I like weirded out the people next to me I was laughing so hard at that <laughs> um, and those kind of throwaway gags are funny I think if yeah, it's a, it's a good bit, and there's a good. I think that actually them getting drunk and going and doing like a drunk telegram instead of a drunk text. I mean, like I guess it's a little belabored, but I thought that was funny. I think that's a funny idea. But like, what does it have to do with Holmes and Watson specifically? Exactly. Absolutely nothing. Like, it's a funny bit that is completely unbored with anything that has to do with the movie. Right, and there's it's a, like they made all of their jokes just about the time period and nothing a, else. Maybe a few things in here yeah. that don't have entirely something to do with Holmes and Watson like you know they could it's just like yeah I'm not sure what we are supposed to get with the period accurate humor like it's just it's it's very much like old man older man humor like oh wouldn't it be like how funny would it be if we took a selfie in the 1800s like like, yeah I don't, I don't, I don't know what we're supposed to get out of that. Yeah, I, it doesn't yeah. seem, I, you know, I, I, different ages. Some of that, like, sort of amuses me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. It's, it does feel like there, you know, it's, it's definitely not for. I'm, a, I'm an older dude, so I sort of, yeah, I did, I confess some of that stuff. I was sort of like, oh, it's kind not of amusing, ages. like them not trying to do a selfie or whatever. But. <laughs> <laughs> no no i mean but i i, I think that it, there's no nothing wrong with admitting like there's you know certain things that might hit different people different ages differently but like it does it but you're right it does kind of feel, feel like kind of casting about for like you know what's what's relevant now but also would be funny to put in the period and it does kind of feel i don't know it just doesn't it doesn't have like that like you said, like the kind of satirical angle in any of that it just sort of is juxtaposing things. And like, sometimes I, you know, I, 
I got a few laughs out of that. Like, I, I'm not made of stone, but like, it doesn't add up to very much. That's really what's like the main, I think the experience of watching this movie for me was like complete failure to add up or like build build on your laughs, which not all comedies have to do to be funny. I mean, you can just have laugh, 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 laugh. It doesn't really build, but those laughs have to come much more consistently than they do here. Otherwise you start to notice how, you know, it's like starting over every 10 minutes. Cause you're like, oh, well, we had some laughs building and then it's completely dead air for a little while. And then you're sort of building it back up again from scratch. And it's just like, it's hard as an audience member to deal with that. Yeah. It, um, it, yeah, the, if you want to do just joke, 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 it, the hit ratio has to be better. It just has to be. If you want, if that yeah. is your accomplishment, if you don't want to have an actual story or like a, a real story, if you don't want to have like likable characters, if you don't want to, you know, if you just want it to be a joke based movie, there's really nothing else there but jokes, then you have to be more creative and also have more like it. You, you have to have a better uh, hit ratio because it's a pretty it's just, high bar to. Uh compare it to but airplane is that like there's no depth to yeah it's all yeah. jokes that's no, it's, it's, it's just joke of the movie jokes. yeah that's that's yeah it's please account um, Zucker brought it, Zucker brothers that's like their their stick it's just like we're gonna pack it full and, and you're gonna have to keep up with us as we keep moving moving along with our gags yeah and they don't let up either they don't take time to be like all right let's have no joke here like it's all it's just consistently jokes yeah and like with this, it just—I don't know. There's just some points I'm like, "What's the joke here?" Yeah. Um. It just—I—I—I I, I don't know. I—I I feel like it just—it all feels so randomly stitched together, and a lot of it doesn't work. Where I'm just like, I—I I do think it's the ideas that they don't have a take on any of this. They don't have a take on Holmes and Watson. I don't think, I don't think, um, I, I don't think Will or Riley work really the way they're supposed to. I think they're given roles that don't suit them. They're man children and they're playing people who aren't man, like who yeah, right. they can't decide what very sophisticated and respected fictional characters. Like they're but, not children in the slightest, <laughs> but they're kind of dumb, but they don't act dumb for like a man child way. They just seem like obtuse, but, but they're also like really good at their jobs, but they're also, it's just, it like kind of hurts my brain to think about. Um, Cause it just all feels so, like bewildering in the sense of what was what 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 was the idea here like baron cohen i see that movie i see it plain as fucking day yeah he is just this completely erratic unknowable force of nature who comes to into a scene and fucks everything up turns everyone's head but also it just seems like hot fucking shit like i see that movie and that movie might be even good yeah, it could be if you if it's not directed by Eaton Cohen. Um, but like it, it just this one just feels like there are some good bits here, but I don't think it has to do with any of the actual sort like the actual material there. Like it has nothing to do with that them being Sherlock Holmes and Watson. Like the joke about the dude getting stabbed, it has it just has to do with that time period and a good setup, or the or like. A joke I found funny is when, like, in the very beginning, when they, when that girl chucks the turtle, like, fucking, like, a football, and the next cut is the turtle, like, a, being a paraplegic in this, like, cast. I thought that was funny. Right. Yeah. But it has nothing to do with this movie. Right. It's not. It has nothing to do with Sherlock yeah. Holmes. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you know what? What's something I'm just realizing? Um, Sasha Baron Cohen 
was also scheduled for a long time to be in another movie from this year that for me would have been a lot better don't talk about it i don't want i don't want to hear the words right and so it's just funny that we we feel like we he's having sort of a renaissance in 2020 with uh, chicago 7 and borat subsequent movie film and we're reminded of the fact of how talented of an actor he is and um did you really read the subtitle and not say borat too god i love you Oh, that's so funny. I have seen it so much. Yeah. Subsequent know? movie film. You're like, I could have said Borat too. I really, yeah. I guess like subsequent movie film. <laughs> I got to be true to the art. <laughs> that's what it's called. Oh, no. Should I read the uh, the full? That's not even. No, 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 no. Move on, move on, move on. For Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. Um, All right. Yeah. So I, I think it's, yeah. It, you know, it's just a reminder of, of how great of an actor he is, Sasha Baron Cohen is. And um, yeah. And, and he's just. I forgot what I was going to say now. <laughs> he doesn't do movies where he just throw like, he's just like, I don't know. I don't, I have no idea. I, I guess I'll just do it. He doesn't, he always has Brother something. Grimsby is the closest that's come. I, yeah, but that's him trying to go back to his roots of being this Cockney, you know, like British, you know, like hooligan who just wants in like the idea of him and Mark strong. I, I don't know. It's just one of those things where he, he usually just has a take on something. Oh, I want to play a dictator. I want to play, yeah. uh, I want to play up the comedy yeah. of these extravagant dictators who you have this crazy amount of wealth. Oh, I want to play like, you know, it, it, these, these are ideas here, right? Like he has a take on um, who did he play in Chicago seven? Abby Hoffman. Uh, yeah. He has a take yeah. on Abby Hoffman. If you hate that movie or like or like love it, I, I you know I don't. It's not good, but I I like him in it. Yeah, he's really. Good. Yeah, exactly, because he has like a thing he's trying to do. Yeah. With he's really this good with film him. though, Will Ferrell and Riley are just kind of like I guess we're just be put into these costumes and read what's on paper and then try to figure out a way to have a good joke in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't I, feel real. Well, I mean, I guess like Ferrell and Cohen are really not similar in the way Sandler. And- Farrell are similar, but Farrell doesn't slip into characters. Like you go to the movie to see Farrell. Um and he just sells well, a chameleon. He has he he has some I guess utility with you. I, mean, I think you know, something like the other guys, you see him Great. Yeah. Well I, I he has, you know, I, I think there's certainly his persona movies and then there's his sort of more, you know, uh, character movie. I mean like there's a couple different modes, right? Like there's uh, Daddy's Home, which is sort of because it's a reunion with Mark Wahlberg, also sort of rips off his shtick in the other guys, where he's sort of the button-up, sort of aggressively milk toast dad. Um, and it, you know, as with everything about those movies, it's very funny. I find in the other guys, which I think is great, and it's not as funny in Daddy's Home. But like, you know, he's committing to it, but that's like the basic character. And then he's also does like the kind of um, you know the man-child thing of something like Step Brothers, where he's like basically a twelve-year-old in a grown man's body. Yeah. And then even so something like, like, and that's related to um, like uh, Farrell's wife and the other guys again. Uh, oh, uh, Ava yes. Mendes. And that's the, are, are you that's, sure? Are you sure that's yeah? It's Ava Mendes, but that's what? the joke of the fucking yeah, movie. Yeah, that's I why know, that movie's yeah. good. It's so aware of of <laughs> everything about Farrell. I'm sorry. Who are you again? <laughs> uh one like in in and then Talladega and Anchorman that it's much more his like the you know what he I think he and McKay have called like the mediocre American man. Someone who's like 
extremely confident hiding a sort of childlike insecurity, but kind of hidden behind a sort of self-importance. So I feel like he has a few different characters types that he goes after. Um, but, and Sherlock Holmes sort of seems like the idea is for it to be in that vein, you know, like the kind of puffed up self-important guy who's like secretly kind of a bozo or not so secretly kind of a bozo. But I think I think what it runs into also in Holmes and Watson is his Americanness, And I think that's one of the things that's really like great about his comedies with, with McKay. They're very like, um, they're very telling about the American character. And mm which seems like a lofty thing to say for silly movies, but I really think those movies are great. And I do, I agree in, in Talladega, the, like the type of guy he's playing, like, yeah, like the, the, the guy he's playing in Talladega, Ricky Bobby is like Ricky such an American archetype. And he's pitted against Sasha Baron Cohen in that as like this kind of a feat European, also stereotype. And it kind of rolls in some of his George W. Bush stuff and just like his, you know, the kind of blithe idiocy. And Sherlock Holmes, because he's not an American character, and I think one of you said earlier, this would be funny or transposed to America. And I think it would, because I don't think Farrell doing a thing about Britain, you know, they, they kind of try to bring in a few things. Like they have a couple of jokes about like, the make Britain great again and, and joking about the, um, how great it is for women in Britain because they, oh. you know, can be tried by a jury of, well, of uh, property owning men. And some of that stuff is funny. But it doesn't have like Farrell just really has a great way of kind of tapping into the innate Americanness of his characters and in right. all their failings and ridiculousness. And Sherlock Holmes doesn't have that avenue. So it's just sort of transposed to this thing where it doesn't it just doesn't make as much sense. And I think Sasha Baron Cohen being English really does understand that kind of stuff in terms of class and in terms of, you know, sociology. And yeah, I think you guys are right. I think he would be really funny in this type of movie, in a swoop of Sherlock Holmes, because he, like, I think would be able to kind of get to the core of it so much quick, more quickly and efficiently. Farrell is just sort of left doing the kind of more effete version of Ricky Bobby or, or Ron, Ron Burgundy, and it doesn't, you're right, it doesn't really make that much sense. And yeah. like, he's, again, like at the end of the movie, like 2016 material in here, that's, mm -hmm. that's really just, yeah. lost in a sea of directionless um yeah just just directionless work you know and i also feel like that like yeah. is he dumb the thing i keep coming back to when we're <laughs> describing what is will ferrell good at he's a man child you know he's good at being a man child he's good at being dumb he's being good at like ill equipped for the situation he's in and him just going, you know, like using his in, in, instincts of being boring and white or, or goofy to figure <laughs> out what problems he, he, you know, what, uh, to figure out the problem he's in. But when it's this fucking movie, it's like, he's actually like a genius. Like he is a genius. He figures out everything about the fucking, um, uh, the uh, decoy of Moriarty, he figures out, I mean, like he makes that one dumb mistake thinking it's Watson. But then besides that, he's like right on all of it. And the whole emotion thing, it just is just too much. And it also does not use any of his actual talents. That's yeah. the issue that I have is that it doesn't understand that you have Will Ferrell. And this is not what Will Ferrell's good at. He's not good at being a, 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 a secretly a genius or being yeah. like in or it just doesn't work and it doesn't it doesn't feel like a spoof it just feels like they're doing for you know i i i'm not an, ex, an expert in them but i i can kind of get the sense that they're doing guy Ritchie. <laughs> like with that the visual whole montage 
stuff like the brain like with the brain palace of like slowing everything down that is completely guy Ritchie. yeah uh, like i and i kind of can get that sense with the first with seeing the first scene of season of sherlock like that's that's his thing like it's it's all mental exercise and mental gymnastics with sherlock and you see it visualized and it's cool like it's, it's interesting but yeah they're just not playing around with it it's just doing it again <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's not really like they no, don't make it like funny because it's Will Ferrell. Like it comes across as funny, even though they're not twisting it around. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like visually unique or anything. It just looks like yeah, let's do our version of that. And like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. like what is what is this? Um, I, I... John Riley so, came out unscathed i believe because him and stan and ollie laurel harry with his co-star in this steve coogan yeah <laughs> which is weird so he goes back to it that was, same was kind like of on the edge of an oscar nomination i think because he yeah. got the golden globe and it's or a golden globe nomination and it's like you know he was on edge to for for awards prospect again so it, it's just it's really funny to think like Wow, he was really close with uh, Laurel Hardy, which he, him and Coogan really worked a long time on. And it's like he won the Razzie at the same time. He he usually for even his flops, he usually just comes out the other end pretty. Yeah. Like I think it's I think it's the I think that the difference between him and Farrell is that Riley diversifies his career. Mm-hmm. He has stocks the, in the, every the, kind John, of uh, Jeff Daniels in how like he's more he comes from drama and then like he can go to. Uh, comedy comedy but the difference is i can stand john riley yeah but like riley is so he picks all the right projects for his career he's kind of like i i feel like you know like i feel like film twitter talks about how good of an actor he is and how good he is at choosing projects but i don't think we truly appreciate that like he has sister brothers this year and he's great in yeah. that and that's a great yeah. project for him yeah. to pick oh, he is good in that yeah he just he just figures out these modes to keep him afloat what even if like a big studio comedy flops really fucking hard he's still un like like you said jack unscathed because he has all these other projects surrounding it that remind you why he's such a good actor and also utilizes his talents really well like the, the sisters brothers is like what if John Riley was like, you know, like it, what if he was that usual sad person, but he actually was committing murder? Mm. Like, what if he was actually just like ruthless killer, but that same in like instinctual sad Riley who's in man, man, yeah, you know, he has an inherent innocence and the exactly and brings out in empathy and uh, in, in him working with um, Joaquin, I think, I think it brings out another layer of, of nuance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, so he's so unlike Farrell, where Farrell like you know does downhill because him and Joaquin aren't year. that dissimilar, I guess. Riley and Riley and yeah. Joaquin. Yeah. In in a way, you know, it's just like yeah, similar. They can I, can I guess like I think in, in yeah a, they have a certain they have brain. they have a yeah yeah they're both kind of Swiss Army knives. Yeah. There's a certain kind of I think. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, so like, yeah, you see Riley and Stan and Ollie, and you know, um, and um, in this, uh, and then you have also the sister brothers, and then you have, you know, like it's just all these projects lined up together that remind you why you love him after even if he fucks up. 
Um, but like with, with with Farrell, he just goes from comedy to comedy, and you mo in in the last five years, they've usually been misses. You know, like maybe like people like some of them like him. Maybe they make money, or like some people like him. But they ne he never re reaches that like. Yes, Will Ferrell. We all love Will Ferrell, don't we, folks? Like he never gets re—he gets—he never gets reappreciated. You're just like, oh yeah, it's another comedy. Yeah. Oh, it's just—it's Daddy Home's. It's Daddy's Home too. And like you said, and like there's no war crime, so it's not like guys. Yeah, exactly. You gotta check on War Will Ferrell. Like he needs to deliver a hit soon. <laughs> uh, and it's just a year ago, he gave us um, Eurovision. So, and I suppose that was sort of about a rebound and. I think in like terms of like how he's respected amongst like f like f critics and stuff, even but yeah, that movie's oddly appreciated by critics. <laughs> Quietly, yeah. I haven't seen it. I want to see it though. Yeah. Have you seen your? It's kind of Justin? funny. It's. I mean, it's. Yeah, it's 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 kind of funny. It's like it has a sort of you know you talk about like the Kiki and Scrooby as sort of the you know kind of boilerplate Will Ferrell movie it's a little better than that but what it has is like the kind of feeling of like oh I get why Ferrell wants to do this he like like he really likes Eurovision the the actual you know event and he obviously likes kind of sports movies because he's had a lot of like sports or sports like kind of competition mm -hmm. movies and he gets to work with Rachel McAdams who's very funny in it um, so I can see there's a, there's a kind of a sweetness to the comedy in it that I, is not always, uh, you know, not always there in a big studio comedy. So I could see that as like a, you know, as, as he moves away from being able to do, you know, having the fallback of doing really good comedies with Adam McKay once in a while. Um, this is a good one for his talents where it, you know, it kind of does play on the man child bit of it, uh, but it doesn't feel completely rehashed. You know, it's some, it's more, I would, you know, put it with something like Blades of Glory mm -hmm. or Land of the Lost, where it's not up to that, like Talladega Nights satirical, like level, but it has a certain kind of loopiness that conveys his sensibility. And I get, I, you know, it was probably a little bit overpraised in the press this year. I think just because people were so desperate for something that was like fun. Out in the and, rise of fortune. <laughs> um, you know. Like right at the start. Yeah, on the what? At the rise of shutdowns. Like oh yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. Like to be, be home and say like, hey, this Netflix movie isn't just like, okay for Netflix, but you know, pretty good for even if you saw it in a the theater this right. was kind of a nice relief and it, it's it's not like a great movie by any means but it does you know it, it does feel like oh well Pharaoh's not wasting his time doing this this is like a, a fun and silly movie and it's and like enjoyable. Saying, so it, it does kind of wash away some of the bad taste if it's with the tier of like blades of glory and land of lost then it's gotta be like c minus c territory <laughs> oh no, you know b minus for me for those were all those like you know the kind of you know I give it a the movies I give a pass even though I wouldn't you know put them as high as like as his really good ones and and also Rachel yeah. McAdams um game night this year uh easily one of the best comedies of the decade for for my money I mean you know just oh, yeah. straight up straight up studio comedies do not get much better than game night studio comedy wise yes that is in my, in my one head, of the best like, ones just like first coming to mind like I I just cackle at game night like a mess. this summer i showed my aunt my Champion. uncle and my mom game <laughs> night i put on game night for my uh, like we were at like a like a summer home or whatever and like we put i put them i put on game night for um my uncle my aunt and my mom and it fucking killed oh, did it? Oh, that okay. movie works so well <laughs> with almost anyone 
when we cover um, it, I'm going to hand out Oscars to Olivia the dog. <laughs> like, um, yeah, Olivia the dog. Or the, the same dog in Widows, too. <laughs> the same dog in Widows. Yep. Big year for that dog. Great year that dog. Yeah, that dog had a better year than Will Ferrell. <laughs> if you want to think about it. <laughs> Will Ferrell has more Razzies than Olivia the dog. <laughs> it's true. It's true. He does. This is his first Razzie, correct? We got. We should probably just talk about the Razzie. Oh, Ferrell, yeah. Je- you know, I forgot to ask Jesse up front. Like, do you have an opinion or just an overall statement about the Razzies as, as like an idea or just, I mean, yeah, you know, I listened to some of your, some of the other episodes that um, you guys did about this. And it seemed like I would echo some of what other people were saying. I think Brianna Sigler said something was kind of disparaging them. Um, and I would, yeah, I mean, I think they are, for all their kind of joke goofiness, like goofing on the Oscars kind of thing, they are weirdly reflective of the Oscars in mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. push a certain middle brow, not very inventive thinking idea of what's good and what's bad. And in doing so, sometimes like the Oscars sometimes happen upon some good movies uh, amongst their bad calls. Sometimes the the, Razzbear, the Razzies or the awards uh, trip over themselves and wound up and wind up giving you know selecting a genuinely terrible movie um in fact like i was looking at their their um their 2018 contenders and it was like holmes and watson Gotti, happy time murders robin hood winchester i haven't seen winchester i kind of like that robin hood actually but like Gotti, that's a great choice and i feel like in years past they would not have necessarily located uh, a movie as bad as Gotti. but in general i think they're really kind of smug and obnoxious like they, they have such like a kind of kind of bullshit bourgeois idea of what a bad movie is they choose the um, same I mean, five movies like, every fucking year it yeah, is a tyler perry it's tyler perry yeah, comedies it's, like, it's oh, about that adam novels. sandler that's yeah oh hey, yeah it's a very it's a twilight you know we gotta yeah it's a very middle-aged male conception of what bad is and you know i give them like i give them some credit because i was looking i hadn't paid attention to them in a while and i was looking over some of their recent winners and like they gave like uh <laughs> Dinesh D'Souza one which is pretty funny to me um the emoji movie is one they gave gave an award to I think the year before Holmes and Watson that movie is genuinely horrible um Cats is like a perfectly fine winner for that kind of thing but yeah there's tons of stuff I like that they've select they've kind of selected with their kind of cutesy snarky tone that I just don't care for. Jupiter Ascending is one I saw in there as a nominee. Great movie, or at least fun movie. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's just like, it's so tied up in these kind of notions of respectability, the same way the Oscars are. So, I mean, they deserve they deserve each other, this and the Oscars. But the Oscars, I feel like, gets it right a little more often. I think the thing with um, You know, that, I know it's harmless, and I kind of like, like it as an idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And to relate it to the Oscars, Gaudi seemed like it was just clear. Like it killed movie pass. Travolta was a joke. It was a, <laughs> a mishandle of a notorious gangster. Like it had everything going for it and then it had nothing. But, and then we had this on, on yeah. Christmas. <laughs> and it was sort of like the momentum for a best picture frontrunner would have. Uh, and I think Gotti was like March or April. So it's like, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's, it's so that, funny. It is, it was fog over the entire 2018, but it's, it came up short. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it's, that's so funny. It's like a, um, 
it is like an Oscar race where you got the front runner and then someone overtakes it at the, with their last minute qualifying run. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, it sometimes happens when those last minute things, they had their, they had stars in their eyes about Holmes and Watson being this huge flop. It just is nowhere near as bad a movie as Gotti, which is like a kind of more singularly bad. Although I will say like, I, I you know, I write for the AV club and I didn't review either of these movies for them, but Gotti was like by was far and away when we when we did our uh, worst movies of 2018 poll, it won by a lot. And usually those are not a consensus favorites on those because we all see different bad movies. Like, and if one of us goes to see a movie like Gotti to review it, the other eight of us are like, well, no, I don't need to see it. Um, but we all kind of caught up with Gotti, I think, because it was on Amazon Prime or something. And so we was like, it wasn't unanimous, but it was like it, it won by many more points than than usually the worst movie of the year wins. But at the same time, Holmes and Watson was not screened for critics, so it was not no one saw yeah, it before we voted on yeah. the worst movie of the year list. And Ignati uh, Vizneski, who reviewed it for the site, gave it an F, which is very rare. So I feel like at least as far as the AV Club is concerned, Gotti and Holmes and Watson really were kind of neck and neck rivals for for the worst of 2018 even though i personally think Gotti is like vastly worst they were the green book in roma of 2018 (laughs) they were they were (laughs) Um, and it's also worth mentioning that sony who you know back-to-back razzie winners with this emotion emotion movie they attempted to sell these rights to netflix and netflix denied them like how my gosh that is a virtue, a, a signal of of what you have on your hands. If Netflix was like, no, thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you can deal with this yourself, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you can sink. You can sink with this Titanic if you. You know, we're oh. not gonna. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty proud of it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Zane is right next to you. That's crazy. <laughs> the first... That's funny. That was funny. All right. I gave him a few comedy points. At first, someone told me, oh, yeah, Billy Zane's going to pop up in the cameo. I'm like, oh, are they just going to have him as like the same character as he was in that movie? And then, no, it's like, oh, it's Billy Zane. I'm like, all right, that's that's that's. And I didn't get it at first because I've actually never seen Titanic. And I forgot. Uh, well, even if you haven't seen Titanic, just the randomness of Billy Zane appearing in this. But I didn't automatically connect it to Titanic. Like mm -hmm. now I now I realize (laughs) It just works for some reason. He's just an obscure enough celebrity and like also like a recognizable name to just pop in like centuries before he was born and just say, <laughs> oh, hey, it's Billy Zane. Yeah. Um, that, that, I, I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, back to the Razzies though, like they just do pick the five, the same five movies every year. Um, and it, it, and also they are obsessed with like the same thing yeah. with like the Oscars are like, they're obsessed with certain trends. Like they're obsessed with cross-dressing. They, for some reason have just this weird fucking demented view of like, if there's a cross-dressing movie, we nominate it and we nominate the actors and this in the different, like in the like different gender categories than they, their characters are. Like they always do that. They always nominate for like, Tyler Perry as worst actress. Um, Sandler got both actor and actress. She did. And he also, and Spade got worst actress as well for That's Jack and Jill. Like it's just, it's just these weird, you know, it's you know, even if you take away some of the weird racist and sexist dog whistles of the Razzies, it's just so fucking boring. Mm. It's the same. It's a yeah. it's a math equation. But when they do Gotti, like a Gotti is like definitely like something that is 
more like a lot of the like shit around it like the production like they boosted they kind of it seemed like they boosted the ratings on rotten tomatoes or whatever there was this huge controversy of like how many ratings were on it and how the production company might have inflated that and also like the producers on that film sent really shitty stuff to critics like sent weird emails and stuff and they kept blasting people like just overall just a mess disgusting piece of entertainment that was released and the people around it suck give that the razzie that one that you know like that it's bad it's i mean everything about it is bad yeah um moji movie bad it's bad you know it's corporate trash that you know has that is creatively bankrupt give it to that i kind of and i i would say that fan four stick was worthy of the award just since it was such a defining uh behind the scenes story Mm -hmm. in the decade and you can't not pass up the opportunity to recognize even though it is just the movie itself i can see someone making the argument that's passable and it's i think you and i would say it is below passable yeah i would i I, it's bad um but and so yeah i think i think those deserve it um also like but movie 40 oh go go ahead yeah no not twilight not fuck off fuck off you those movies weren't for you you pieces like you uh, i'm I'm sorry i don't know why i'm getting angry but it's just like i think we should save the sort of like the, this slate talk for next week because we should probably remember to rank them. Oh yeah, we, right. oh yeah, we have to rank them. That's right. Oh shit, that's yeah. gonna be crazy. Um, but one more thing, like movie forty three. Even though like we had Brianna Ziegler on and she gave a very passionate defense of that movie, and I enjoyed every second of it. I love talking that movie with her. And some people even like some people think that movie's kind of strangely perverse, but kind of funny because it's so horrible. Um, but like that movie deserved it just because of like that movie was made on lies and deception. Like that's a perfect movie (laughs) to be like, yeah, Hollywood's fucked up, man. We lied to all these people. What was the producer's name? Do you remember? Um, Oh no, I forget. It was the Frederick Gear that swindled everybody. Yeah, exactly. He just like took at, like he had a million favors lined (laughs) up in his pocket and he used all of them to get all those stars in that movie. And Peter Farley was just like, yeah, we're going to tell them they only have to do this, but we're going to give them the the scripts when they come to set. We're going to make them. We're going to peer pressure them. And it was like, I couldn't say no. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's all of this. Like that's, that has text. There's subtext to that. There's like, there's this bigger view of Hollywood as an industry, but when it's fucking twilight or it's fucking um, Jack, even Jack and Jill. I'm just like, she just wanted to pick a Sandler comedy. That's all you wanted to do. Yeah. It's, and you have this weird fascination of cross-dressing. And so you just had to pick that. You couldn't help yourselves. Um, and I don't know. It like, it all just, <laughs> you know, we've, we've taught, we touched, we touched. It has kind of, it has, it's a very middle-aged, uh, a middle-aged yeah. dude sensibility that, totally. that animates the Razzies. Like it's it's very much like what a fifty-year-old dude thinks of as the worst type of possible movies. And sometimes you know they're not always wrong. I think the nominees when you guys do Cats, the nominees that was up against. I haven't seen the Medea one, and that is just kind of you know like you said that they just go after the cross-dressing and, and ding Tyler Perry and like the, obviously Tyler Perry isn't making that movie for the Golden Raz, Razzies guys or guy. Or yeah, exactly. But like the other the 
the other nominees in that the fanatic haunting of sharon tate rambo last blood i was like all right fair enough that's a pretty good crop of like shitty movies yeah uh, in, that are mm-hmm. shitty in different ways uh, oh my God, we haunting of sharon tate is like a reprehensible movie so i think that's a that's a and like Rambo Last Blood is like MAGA trash. Like those are like those are like it's the same thing with D'Souza and stuff. But even though the D'Souza yeah, yeah. win has some own problematic issues because because I don't know if you know the story, Jesse, but when he won, D'Souza won for Hillary's America. He actually I don't know if he was actually on stage, but he at least videoed in to accept the award. And he was thanking everybody because this was like, Uh because if I won the, he said, like, basically he said, I won the Oscar, I would lose all credibility for my audience. But since I won, won the Razzie, well, now that this is perfect because I'm making, because I can just sell this to people saying that I'm making you mad and that I'm going against Uh Hollywood. And he actually said this. And so it's one of those things where you're just like, yes, it deserves it. But did you just give the person more, like, did, did you just help him? It's these odd things that happen, but yeah. like, I do think that that's the kind of shit, like you said, like the sh- haunting of Sharon Tapes, like just like a gross, gross, gross movie, and like Rambo Last Blood is this racist MAGA trash fantasy, and then you have like, yeah, the, 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 there's these yeah, yeah, yeah. morally reprehensible movies that should be nominated. Yeah, and it's like if they don't take themselves seriously, then then why should we? Is is the other is the other thing. Um, it's the $40 buy-in that's that's also something to remember. Um, and I guess it is a, all one big joke, but like we keep saying, it's just not a funny joke. So, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, it's either they need to... I don't... And, and the thing is, like, I don't know if they care about criticism. <laughs> I don't know if they want to change. And if they did, then I don't know if they would... Yeah, it's, it's a whole thing that... I don't even know if it's worth psychoanalyzing, <laughs> but it gave us a slate to do. It did give us a slate. Yeah. It did give us that. That's true. All right. Let's Can't go through the one. nominees real quick. Okay. Of 2018. You have them? Uh, I will have them in. Yes, I have them. Um, so Holmes and Watson. Yep. Won, won the award. Congratulations. We're all, we're all so proud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gotti. A film we talked about the happy times the happy time murders which i have not seen but i've always had a strange curiosity of that one have you seen happy time murders jesse i have seen happy time murders yes i um went to the press screening that i'm surprised they had for it uh like two days before it came out was it weird wrote about <laughs> jason like considering like muppets were so formative was the weird one was it weird seeing that Muppet adjacent property, but Muppets were so? Fun? Oh yeah, I mean, I you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a little bit, but I you know, I've long become accustomed to the fact that they're like you know, there's like a always like oh, it's funny if the Muppets if Muppet like characters do something gross or whatever, like I, that's that's like kind of a go-to thing so that wasn't exactly shocking and i know brian henson who um jim henson's son did the movie which is sort of like okay well this is something he was interested in and it is kind of neat actually to see like a raunchy comedy starring muppety characters i, I don't hate that movie but it, it really is doesn't work very well like it's like kind of like there is actually pretty good puppetry in it and some like fun weird moments 
Um, it's, you know, it's actually very similar. I talked about Roger Rabbit before. It's very similar to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And it's like, you know, maybe like maybe 0.01% as good. Um, so it's, it's a weird movie. It's not like, I, I get why it was a target for like, this is one of the worst things of the year. Um, I certainly felt bad for Melissa McCarthy watching it because it was just like not the best use of her talent. It's, it's just as Holmes and Watson is not the best use of Farrell's. But, you know, I, I was sort of like, huh, that was like, that was kind of a misfire, but not without its charms, but, but, but not with many charms at the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we have Robin Hood. Yeah. The, um, of course. Uh, yeah. Taron Egerton. Taron Egerton. Thank you. Taron Egerton playing Robin Green Hood and Bo- as... Little John. Little John. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, have you seen Robin Hood, Jesse? We have not seen. We haven't seen any of these films besides Holmes and Watson. I I have damn right I've seen Robin Hood. Um, <laughs> my wife is a big Robin Hood uh, um, is a big Robin Hood like likes Robin Hood stories in general. Um, so we went to go see this completely for fun. I actually think this movie is kind of fun. I have kind of a soft spot for misguided stylish expensive fantasy boondoggles like Mm -hmm. this movie and also the guy Ritchie king arthur and mortal engines and this is like a better example like a more successful example but like aquaman that kind of thing where it's like super dumb mythology um and i kind of liked this robin hood it was like i found it kind of efficient and like and yeah yeah like i found it kind of efficient and entertaining and uh, you know it's it's really dumb like but you know what like it's it's dumb in a way that i could get behind so um, if i was gonna kick one of these out of the golden raspberry that would be it gavin hood the what no Uh, gavin wait gavin did you think gavin hood directed this what i believe yeah no it's uh, it's some german named otto uh bathurst oh yeah i must be thinking of something else yeah, he's a, he. I think worked on uh, *Peaky Blinders*, the TV show, which is another thing my wife is really into. So I, she, she she's correct. She's correct because that show is fucking awesome. I love *Peaky Blinders*. I'm huge, huge fan <laughs> of *Peaky Blinders*. Uh, how's Mendelssohn? I'm a I'm a Mendelssohn person. I love me some Mendelssohn. I love me some Mendes. Uh, how's he in? Yeah. <laughs> Mendelssohn is fun and it you know i think i like i prefer kind of like hapless sleazebag uh mendelssohn mm-hmm. in killing them softly or mendelssohn yeah 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 mississippi yeah. grind love mississippi grind or or um you know sort of kind of sad sack dad mendelssohn in the outsider which i did not finish yeah. but yeah, i did yeah, like yeah. Well, oh. when i watched uh, um, mendelssohn and the outsider he's he's your guy i'm a big i'm a big <laughs> mendelssohn outsider guy yeah he's good he's he really good in, in robin hood i love it yeah in Robin Hood and Ready Player One, where he's like the kind of he's like the baddie, you know, he's fine, mm-hmm. but it's not my favorite mode of his. He's it's pretty fun. I mean, it's like it's just fun to see him. I would I wish Crashy Mendelssohn is also in full force and Killing Them Softly, as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, Killing Them Softly is so good. Love yeah. that movie. Good movie. I remember. So it, just a, a little a uh, little divergent, real quick about Mendelssohn. So like when. The when the whole Disney investors call happened, uh, it was a few weeks ago, and like you know, Twitter blew up and fights happened about Marvel being the death of cinema, or you know, like Marvel, or like Disney becoming 
you know, our overlords, you know, stuff like that. And like there, you know, there were interesting discussions happening and all of that. But I just remember me in the background when they announced uh, a TV show, <laughs> Secret Invasion with Samuel L. Jackson, Ben Mendelsohn. I was like the only person who was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I got my Mendelsohn baby. I got him as a squirrel. It's going to be great. <laughs> I, you know, like I, even though, you know, like, and like yeah. yeah, I was really, like, I was popping champagne and I'm like, yeah, buddy. Um, it, sex shooters. Like it, 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 I, I just, because like we were talking about, like, you know, you mentioned Ready Player One, Robin Hood, like Captain Marvel kind of came out in that same time. Like, you know, the stereotypical, like bad guys in like, you know, big budget movies. He was just thrown into that realm but the good thing like the one like the, my favorite thing about captain marvel is that they make him the good guy yeah and i'm and so when and then like i just like i'm in anything you want to get talos the scroll get man i'm i'm in he's my he's my number one you know <laughs> captain america iron man Pishaw. we got talos the scroll i'm here fully invested. um fine stock yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh and the last nominee for the uh, it was winchester the horror film with uh, Helen Mirren, Sir Helen, yeah, uh, yeah. Dame, uh, uh, Dame Helen Mirren. Thank you, of course. Thank you. Thank you. With some respect. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm never getting knighted now. I fucked that up. Like, almost, just to bring him back to Holmes and Watson, it kind of feels like Helen Mirren would appear just like in, like pop up in the way Billy Zane does. Just like, oh, well, here's Helen Mirren as, you know, yeah. Helen Mirren, you know, and just, she kind of says like, yes, to, it feels like she'll say yes to anything, sort of like in the way Betty White does. I have no evidence to prove this, but it just feels like when you get to a certain age, like I'll have fun with Will Ferrell and John Riley, you know, <laughs> so. Um, Might as well get those checks, Helen. <laughs> That's that being get said. Get those checks. It's a January It does feel like horror movie, I think, you know. It does. It does feel like Ian Ian McKellen and like those kind of serious actors would pop up in Holmes and Watson yeah, for like uh, a scene. Dame Judi Dench, Tony Hopkins. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and I think I think Hugh Laurie was the closest they got. I think they asked maybe those people, and they're like Hugh Laurie, and they're like, he's like, yeah, sure. Yeah. He's good in that. He's he's good in that scene. He's a good actor. He's committed. I'll give him. Even just staring into Will, I, I like that. Good are two different things. I think we should. Realize. True. I don't know. I'm a sucker for him. I'm. I'm. I'm that one person. Are you a house who, fan? Are, are you? I. I've never finished the show, but when I was younger, like when I was like 17, I remember, or even maybe younger, I was like 16 or 17. I binged like four seasons of that show, and that's like a thousand episodes. Or that was something your. That crazy. was your. That was your bit. Like I'm just really in the house. Like, okay. Yeah, I know. It was for for like a good like solid month, I was like, I'm house. I'm a house guy, baby. <laughs> what can I say I'm house? I'm, 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 like, <laughs> open the door to the house. You know. <laughs> I binged it so much that like, <laughs> and like I got out of my. This was a bad time in my life, by the way. I don't think I don't think you binge house at like good times in your life. I don't <laughs> think you're like super happy at that point. I think you're going through some stuff, just to speak personally. But it's either I've binged or you're it, in a pandemic. It's <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's either. Those, those are the two. Um, and when I was binging House, and then like, I like in House, he has this pain issue. Like that's why he's a drug addict and takes all this Vicodin. It's because he has this weird limp and nerve damage, and so he limps. He has a cane and stuff. That's his. That's his shtick. And he limps on his like right leg, I think. Um, and when I got up, like I was, you know, watched all of it, like on my in, in my chair in my room. And then I would get up and like walk somewhere, walk to like the kitchen or something. I would limp without knowing it. And my mom's like, the hell are you doing? What the fuck? And, and, she, and, and I'm like, oh, oh, I'm so, oh, yeah, that's, 
That's that's unfortunate. I just thought I, it would I, make I, me look brooding and broken. Yeah, I don't know. I was just so I was so invested, and I'm just Mom, like, I guess I'm limping. I don't have a limp, but I have a limp now. Okay, just yeah, and just, nothing just happened. Don't worry about it. Yeah, don't worry about it. Hands I'll off. Like, you until know. I make it. All right. Yeah, <laughs> it's just oh boy. Um, yeah, that's that's that's, that's, that's all. Oh, that's all I got. Putting it on the shelf. Oh, I can't believe I talked about house mm-hmm. for a good five minutes <laughs> in this episode. You had your house corner, and then who knew? House Corner gets a little bit bigger every week from now on. That's that's the new year. It's just like hope. house talk. <laughs> so it says that Leonardo DiCaprio produced the Robin Hood movie. What? Please leave. Oh my God. That's- Was yeah, he attached to that? Happy and Ways. No, I think he, you know, he has a production company that just does some of that stuff. And I think, uh, it was probably, you know, I doubt he was very hands-on, but he was probably, you know, minimally involved. Right. Produce, like saying someone's a producer, like, you know, it can kind of be flexible with, with that definition. True. Yeah. True. But even, I don't even know how, like, <laughs> he had to, at the end of the day, he had to say yes. Right? Like, the, like he has he to, to say, like, what was going on. Yeah. he had to sign something. He had to sign, say, I am a producer of Robin Hood now. Like, that, like that doesn't just happen. I just find that odd. It's funny. <laughs> well, any more thoughts on Holmes and Watson? Or is this a, should we move into shout outs? Before. Do you have any more thoughts, Jesse, on Holmes and Watson? I'm, uh, you know, I think I've, I think I've said my piece on Holmes and Watson. You know, it's forever. I, I like we're just don't recommend it to anybody. It's not the worst. This type of comedy, but what are the parts that you laugh at? I'm just curious. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, yeah, the, yeah, the section like with them in, you know, going out of the town in the bad part of town. Uh, you know, the, I found Lauren Lapkus kind of funny as the woman who was raised mm-hmm. by feral cats. She's good. Um, you know, bit, bits here and there. I found, you know, yeah, she's she's fun. She really commits to it. Um, and there's, you know, bits here and there that I, I, I uh, the one thing, the one thing I, I should mention that I was found baffling and was probably more indicative of what the movie was like for most people and, and, and for me in the large portions of it was that they do they have an alan menken glenn slater song the, the guys who did uh, alan menken of course a disney uh music writer and also uh he glenn slater who is the lyricist for menken songs for tangleds and they have them write a kind of production number and yeah it, it just doesn't really have any jokes and doesn't really it's like I'm all for Farrell breaking into song. Like the Anchorman 2 has something like that. I don't remember if that's in the original cut or the, the alternate cut, but there is, you know, that stuff is kind of, I like when Farrell does that, these kind of weird little leaps in into production numbers. But the one in this one is really, really falls flat in a, in a weird way. Just one more thing where it feels like the movie just felt like, well, someone suggested that a long time ago and no one said, we're not, no one refused. So we're just going to do it and, and not really ask if, there's no it's um, just like this movie is full of yes men and no one said no yeah a decision like whether good I, or bad i really i remembered something I, yeah i remember something i wrote about it that i think at the time that i think holds true i was pleased to rediscover it is that it kind of feels like everyone involved is it's not even that they're being forced to do it but they're kind of vamping through the process of trying to remember what it was about this project that <laughs> that excited them in the yeah, first place. No, that's perfect. Because I that's don't think a, it was no more set. Like that's a great way to end and this 
<laughs> discussion. Like I think no more yeah. can be said for that for this movie. Uh-huh. Honestly. <laughs> um, but does anybody have any shout outs for for like Christ to criticism on the movie or any any reviews? Like Jesse, just, just I'll, didn't I'll, I'm gonna link didn't to you? Your yeah, piece didn't he write? Just didn't you write something about this movie? Yeah, I wrote one of my earliest pieces for The Verge uh, from like the year I did pieces for The Verge on and off um, was about this and how it sort of was a death. It's part of the death knell ongoing for American studio comedies in terms of being popular hits. Yeah, um, you mentioned Game Night that comes up in the piece um, because even big, even hit comedies like Game Night Blockers, and Blockers, which both came out in the same year as Blockers, yeah, is, good. I, I like Blockers. Yeah, Blockers is good. Blockers is good. Blockers is good. Yeah, but they didn't really do the same kind of business that a hit comedy used to do no. um and i think all told 20 2018 was one of the like it had like the, the highest grossing comedy of the year i believe if, you, if you're taking out stuff like deadpool or, or animated comedies was night school with tiffany haddish and kevin hart and that did well but it was the lowest grossing uh just in pure dollars it was like the lowest grossing biggest comedy of the year since like 1985 and if you do it by inflation it was the lowest grossing big comedy biggest comedy of the year that i could find record of um which which is to say back to about 1980 or so so you know realistically you could say sometime in the 70s there might have been a time where there was a lower grossing biggest comedy of the year uh so you know but but if you want to read about that i I feel like a lot of what i wrote back in 2018 is still true in terms of yeah the piece is very very good comedy's not really being a movie theater thing um and i i I can shout out uh ignati vijnameski's from the ab club i don't agree with how angry he is at this movie in his review or not even angry just how negative he is about it but it is poetry to read Ignati talk giving up giving the full f which is pretty rare um <laughs> he just writes beautifully about movies he thinks are very bad so i would i would check out that's some, that's some good scholarship of someone who is genuinely disgusted with this movie <laughs> <laughs> it feels like someone's actively spitting on a grade yeah and, and like immediately after yeah, yeah. you have to Gotti, like he turns around and it's like i'm not done um but for myself i have yeah <laughs> uh Holmes and Watson, How to Bore Your Audience from The Closer Look on YouTube. And I haven't seen a whole lot from I Hate Everything because that channel's name is just kind of like, I don't know, off-putting. But the worst Will Ferrell comedy, Holmes and Watson, is actually kind of a pretty, you know, like clever and poignant dissection. So uh, those two are worth uh, worth seeking out. Yeah. Um, The only time I felt like giving this movie an F- um, and I mean, I don't give letter grades, but the only time that I had that, like that instinctual feeling was the Trump joke. Yeah. yeah it's that, that's when I was just that's like, like I, definite, that's like a prime example of like, like tone deaf. I just, it, it was so inartful and forced that I actually got started getting angry. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's not Holmes and Watson <laughs> again. Like it's just not, it's like relations of like foreign relations it's like but it's not you know the moment he said great businessman i almost threw something um but that that that, that that's my piece that's 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 what i have to say that's my shout out right, that's that the bad joke right uh okay but uh, jesse thank you so much for coming on it was such yeah. a pleasure please come back. back yeah of course
Of course. Uh, do yeah. you have anything to yeah. plug? You know, I'm happy to uh, anytime. It, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, where can everybody? Uh, you can go to sportsalcohol.com. Uh, we do. I. It's it's that's my um. That's the website I run with some friends. Uh, you can find my list of the worst movies of 2020 there, and you can also find some of our recent podcasts. We went uh, extensive went extensive on talking about a bunch of us liking Wonder Woman 1984, which I uh, to gather from Twitter was not the consensus opinion about that movie. That's a pretty good podcast, so we'll check that out. Why is it called Sports and Alcohol? I'm curious. Um, it's because we are dumb. Uh, it's a, it was just a joke that some friends and I had about how we wanted to get rich quick scheme and how probably something really popular would be to combine alcohol and sports in some way, like a sports drink that was also alcoholic. Um, I love that. So I love that. We wanted to, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so when we wanted a domain name, we just purchased sportsalcohol.com. Uh, it's mostly not about sports or alcohol, although once in a while we'll give you a drink recipe or something. <laughs> no sports though. Out no no sports whatsoever. Very very little sport. Uh, I think once we we had some my 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 best friend who I run it with um, rec- recorded a podcast that was about the Mets and I was like that's great because I don't know anything about sports but he likes the Mets and we we could actually do something sports related and he scrapped it because he did, didn't turn out well so <laughs> so so far maybe someday there'll be a Mets podcast that we'll do but not. What if me. like you guys publish a piece? on sports and then just like gets like you know zero views like nobody reads it it's just no it's really sick to our yeah <laughs> i mean that would be only slightly below average for our for our readership which is it's, it's a labor of love and uh, at this point yeah but you know someday hope i mean there might be something that i feel like you know there's probably a song about baseball in there somewhere that we wrote about but some something like that but yeah we'll be posting podcasts and and stuff about our favorite songs of the year and stuff about our favorite movies of the year all through the month of january so uh if you're bored at work if you still have a job check it out (laughs) (laughs) oh my lord well do you have a twitter Yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter as Rock Maroons at Rock Maroons. That's you can follow me talking about how much I like Monster Hunter a lot. That's mainly what it is. Fantastic. Paul W. Sounds Santa good. Yeah. Um, I can be found on Twitter, uh, Jack A. Draper, and um, my writing on film is on the Cinephile, Cineflix Daily, and uh, I publish my own on Medium sometimes too. Uh, everyone can follow me at uh, Birds of Clay on Twitter and on Letterboxd. You can follow me at, in, on Instagram at Mr. Clay Williams. Um, you can follow the podcast Twitter account at ETT Pod. You can send us an email um, at exiting through the 2010s at gmail.com, all spelled out. You can leave us a voicemail on Anchor. Um, can you please remember to uh, rate, review, subscribe? Uh, five stars would be greatly appreciated on any plat- uh, podcast platform you listen to. Us- on um next week we have the final episode of our razzie miniseries cats Cats, baby fletcher peters back fletcher peters the god of course (laughs) who else um uh, this has been an episode that we were all born for we were all made for we were all raised for listen it's poetry in the making tom hooper we opened 2019, 2020 with one of his movies, and now we open 2021. I mean, truly cannot work, work out better. Um, King's Kinda Peak crazy. was our first episode of last year, and now we are really just 
just run, running into 2021 with another Tom Hooper picture. <laughs> Does yeah. that mean Danish Girl has to be our 2022 I mean, episode? Course. At this point, fucking Oh my yes. god. Yeah. I mean, because oh no. everyone remembers the Danish Girl, and we all saw it, and we remember oh, yeah. Alicia. Made a billion dollars. She won an Oscar. Made a billion yeah. dollars at the box office. <laughs> Danish Girl. Yeah. It's like everyone's favorite film. Yeah. <laughs> everyone uh. remembers what happened. Yeah. Eddie Redmayne. There was a girl. In, there was some Danish involved, was, and there you go. Was Danish, yeah. Oh boy! Oh, All right. Okay. Hopefully, hopefully we forget that idea okay. by the time 2022 happens. Okay. So, and um, we're not going to do a supporting actress win series. Oh Jesus that Christ! That, uh, oh. All right, all right. My brain's going to melt if I think about it anymore. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, please remember to stay safe, stay inside. Uh, hope you all had good yeah. holidays. Hope you yeah. all stayed, um, you know, hope hope you all had some good times, either alone or with family. Whatever works best for you, you know, stay, you know, stay cheery, you know. It's beginning of a new year, 2021. It's going to be better, right? It's going to be better. It has to be. It's, it has to be. Yes. Right? We've Hopefully. Run. An episode of the podcast on Holmes and Watson. I think we've set the bar where it needs to be set. Exactly. All but up. It's all but up. You know, it's it's all going to go up. We got some good episodes coming out in January. You know, we do. Yeah, we got great guests. It's all going to be great, guys. It's going to be awesome. I promise. I don't promise. I hope so. Please, you know, please work. Um, But yeah, thank you all so much for listening. Please remember uh, Black Lives Matter. We found the police and we'll catch you all next time on Exiting Through the 2010s.